Bob McCowan podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app uh, today. I am McCowan, and that is Shannon over there. Robert, uh, a football game in the National Football League last night with a quarterback who should not have played but was allowed to and got hurt again and was carted off the field in a stretcher and then rejoined his team um, for the trip home. Well, and that's the good are, news. The rejoining well, the team to fly home is the good news. Good news? Uh, well, the fact that he was he was able to get on the charter and, and fly back to Miami, yeah. I don't trust a damn person in the National Football League. I know you don't. And um, I think this whole thing is just a complete and total scam. This guy should not have played. He was allowed to play. He was allowed to play because they didn't have an independent neurologist look at him, not a truly independent one. I don't know how you do that, but they, they didn't. He should, he should have been forced to sit, you know, the rules of the national hockey league in that situation, a similar situation, that player would not have played for seven days. Minimum, yeah. minimum, not four hey, days. Hold on. Later. Hold on. Are, are you complimenting the national hockey league? I am Is that in, what effect, you're in, doing? This, in, in, in this situation by comparison, uh-huh. at least to the national yeah. football league, they are brilliant in this regard. And it's, it's and to me, it's mind boggling. To me, it's mind boggling. Well, it is mind boggling. Yeah. It's completely mind boggling. And what is even more mind boggling is that the network that carried the game last night, Amazon, did not even make mention of this during their halftime show. Not even a mention. No. And no, that, that is that, that's bother. That's bothersome. Of course it is. It it tells you everything that we've We've known, I was going to say suspected, but really known for a long period of time, is that the television networks are at the behest of the National Football League, and they they do not criticize in any way, shape, or form. You know, the, the, the thing, you know, there are lots of times where you get mad at social media, and you think that there's ignorance on social media. Last night was a night where social media actually was the conscience of the National Football League. Because as soon as uh, Tua went down, um, there was an outcry. And I, I do think that people had to pay attention to that. There was enough people, enough people of, of influence that, that responded on, on social media um, to say, why, why is he playing tonight? Why, what is going on? That I, I do believe at a certain point that, that the NFL slash Amazon was forced to to talk about it not at halftime but at a certain point in the game well it happened but it happened late in the game and it was yes sort it of did even an offhand comment it wasn't really a conversation about the relative merits of uh of him playing in that game which should have been the topic of conversation it should have been the entire halftime show yes it should have been it was the it was the story it was not what happened on the field of play it was not about the game itself it was not about a particular player or what a great game he was having it, the story was Tua, and they did not even mention it. And we know why. No, they, well, they, 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 all they did was talk about Tua, but they never asked the key question, Bob. It was all sympathies, but they never asked the key question. How is he in the lineup? Exactly. How is he in the lineup? And that's the question, and that's, that was the story. We're yeah. going to address it. Um, our friend Howard Simon is the morning show host at WGR Radio in Buffalo. Obviously, he follows the Bills very closely, and uh, obviously, he was watching last night's game. And the original injury to Tua happened last Sunday in the game in which Miami beat Buffalo. So there are lots of connections here, and we'll uh, explore them when we come back after these messages. McCowan and Shannon back with you and uh, joining us today uh, from uh, WGR Radio in Buffalo. Howard Simon is uh, with us. Nice to see you. How are things? Good, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? We're good. I want to start with um, the Buffalo Bills, obviously, but but let's go back to last weekend with the game against Miami where the Miami quarterback gets taken out of the game, presumably with some kind of head injury. They've later stated it was a back problem. I talked to a neurosurgeon this morning, actually, and he said that um, Tua should not have played in Thursday's game under any circumstance and now should be out for at least two or three weeks. But it sounds like he came home with the team after last night's game and getting knocked out. And they're trying to spin it that he's okay. What do you make of this? 
Yeah, um, you know, not a neurosurgeon. Try not to play one. But let's face it, if you're watching the game, guys, we're, we're watching that game, and the Bills game, not last night's game. So he gets shoved, right? He hits the ground. His head, we see the replay. His head goes in the turf. When they show him live getting up, trying to walk, and he's wobbly and all that stuff, maybe we don't think about it as much with football. How many times have we seen a hockey player try and skate off the ice when he just got suffered a head injury and they can barely stand and make it to the bench? So, you know, I wanted the Bills to win, of course. But when, when Tua is literally fighting to stay up, that's scary stuff. So my, my thought was, like everybody else, oh, my goodness, it's a head injury. He's out. They even said the team released he's questionable with a head injury. I thought, he's not playing again. That's a concussion. When they said he's coming back out and he's on the field and he's taking warm-ups and he's going to play, I mean, I was skeptical. I didn't need Thursday night to happen either. I was really – that looked like a guy – who had some kind of a brain injury and what's he doing playing, you know, the rest of the football game. But you oh, know, as well as I do, Howard, it just, you know, paid a billion dollars on that, on the, uh, you know, the lawsuit. Yeah. And uh, to allow him to even play again is suspect. I mean, I do not understand why the league did not step in and say, no, you can't play. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if the league feels this is going to sound crazy. I'm not sure if the link belie- league believes that they're supposed to step in and do that. Like there's this process in place. And well, I agree. Yeah. The medical and team personnel, they've built up some checks and balances, right? The medical and team personnel are supposed to be the ones that say you're good. You're not good. Not up to the football coach, not up to the GM, not up to the owner. So that's the medical and team personnel. Now you might look at that and say, well, they're going to want the guy to play. They're employed by the team. They want the team to win. So you put in an independent neurologist who's doing this test and everything to try and see if he's okay. I guess I would wonder, guys, not in the room, okay? So I don't know how he answered questions and how he looked. You would wonder an independent neurologist sees the video of this guy getting up and he's wobbling. How do you clear him to go back and play football, even if they tell you? The player's going to say, I'm fine to go back in. But if they tell you it's his back, I don't know. I just, it was very skeptical. And look, it became a huge story, as you know, guys, after what happened in Cincinnati. Now we're all looking at it going, why was he playing to begin with? So the, the league is, I think this is going to get a lot worse for the league and everybody who's involved in it. You know, you, you said not the GM, not the coach, not the owner. Uh, and it should be not the player, too. Right. I mean, that's oh that. And, and, and you know, as well as I do, this is a this is a macho sport, Howard. Yeah. This is a sport where, you you know tape an aspirin to it and get back out there. And, and, but at a, at a certain point, I do think the league and the team have to protect the player from himself. They're supposed to. Right. And that's why I think there are going to be a lot of questions asked, you know, they, they, over time, we've understood a little bit more about concussions, right. And the league put in these protocols and then they went to an independent neurologist. They have spotters upstairs who are looking at the field, looking at the benches that they notice anything strange pull the player out. So they put in some mechanisms, but as an outsider, you know, and this is all me just guessing based on watching video and everything, you'd think somewhere the process they put in place failed for him to be back playing football against the Bills. And then, okay, so then the follow-up is the concussion last night. And now they say this is a concussion. They never called Sunday's injury a concussion. They never said he was in concussion protocol, but – Last night, coupled with what happened four days prior, what's the cumulative effect? Hopefully, he's okay with like his life. Well, and, uh, and, and I, actually, I think... you touched on something. You touched on something there that's really important. Remember all the controversy about you know injecting Thursday night games into the yeah. schedule. Yeah, I mean, this was the short week for this. I mean, this this happens on Sunday the first time. Obviously, Monday's a, a day of rest and, you know, and watching tape. But here he is, uh, you know, five days, four or five days later, playing in this game. That, to me, is such an indictment of Thursday night football being an issue when you have to recuperate. Yeah, I think it, it makes it worse, okay? But I still think even if there wasn't – they don't have – like the, you guys know the NHL, right? What is it? Seven, seven days symptom-free before they even allow you to practice, right? That's right, yeah. They don't have that in the NFL. I mean, he would have been, as long as they cleared him, let's say it was a Sunday game, not a Thursday game. 
as long as he was cleared, he would have been okay to practice Wednesday of this week. So I think there's a larger issue. The short work week may have made it even worse, fellas, but I think there's a larger discussion of should he have been cleared? Should he have been playing football? What if there was a Sunday game? My guess is he would have, they would have trotted him out on the field for a Sunday game. Well, one of the things that occurs to me, because I, mean, I don't trust the National Football League as far as I can spit, but you know, if you allow the medical staff of a team to make those kinds of decisions, you're going to be in some trouble right. because they work for the team. They understand what the team wants sure. and they are the employers. So they are going to do that. So now they bring an independent, an independent guy or group, but they aren't independent. They are hired by the national football league yeah. who has essentially the same objective. You know, what this league needs to be able to do is figure out a way for independent neurologists to make these kinds of decisions. I'm not sure how you do that because they have to get paid by somebody. Um, either that, or as you suggested, have a, man, a minimum number of days yeah. that a player has to sit out. Yeah, that, I guess we were talking about that this morning. Like, what's the next step? Okay, they have protocols. They worked in this independent person. So if the system still failed, if they determined, and by the way, the Players Association is still investigating the Miami Bills game and wondering why he got back out on the field. So if, if they determine the system failed, what's the next step? Is the next step, do you put in a, a black and white policy that says if you don't have correct functions, if you're wobbling, if you're woozy, all the, you just don't play that game. We err on the side of caution. You don't play no matter what, even if you tell us it's my back, I feel fine. And you get them out and then you go through a full set of examinations the next day, the day after, what have you. This, this sounds agree. like an Oliver Stone movie. <laughs> <laughs> when, well, when you think about it, I mean, I, I, I say it half-heartedly, but the point that Bob brings up of, you know, doctors and neurologists paid by the club or paid by the league, uh, what, what is the vested interest in, in doing it for the, for the betterment of the player? That becomes the, the real challenge because in the end, a guy like Tagliavoli, we know what he's gone through in his career, whether it be at Alabama, whether it's be what he's, how injured he's played in Miami, he's going to play. He's going to want to play. You know, that's, that's, that's the bigger issue. Protect the player from himself. Yeah. Rather yeah. than worrying about point spreads and wins and losses. Yeah. And that's why they, they put the system in place. But again, it, at least in this instance, it looks like it broke down and, and, and two guys, you know, I, I don't know about the Maple Leafs history with concussions, but here in Buffalo, you know, when it comes to hockey, we've seen a lot of stuff. You know, there was Kyle Oposo, there was Tim Connolly, there was Pat LaFontaine. And we've heard stories over years, I'm sure you have as well, about when these guys get these concussions and maybe repeated concussions, multiple concussions, how, you know, light hurts, noise hurts. Like they have to sit in the dark room for, the, for X amount of days. And then they're dealing with depression and all these other health issues that are obviously more important than whether or not you play the next game. So I, I, I think... It's, you know, we, they've, they've gotten better in terms of understanding the significance of concussions, but you, you must be, Bob, I'm with you. I, I generally don't trust leagues. It, hard, it would be hard not to be skeptical at the end of the day and look at this and go, you know, it's a meat market. Get the guy out there. And if you can't play, next guy up, which is, you know, a terrible place to live. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking, I, I must say this. I don't say it very often, but I think the National Hockey League has done a much better job with concussions than yeah. the NFL has. Um, I, I, I think I'd feel safe in the National Hockey League if I, got, if I was concussed or there was speculation I was concussed. They have protocols in place that mandate that you have to sit out until essentially you're given a, a, a full clearance. And... That could be a few days. It could be many months. I have no confidence in the National Football League based on what happened this past week, both in the Buffalo game and then again on Thursday night. Just no confidence that anybody is protecting this, this kid. And, uh, and he, may, he, he may pay for it with the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah and you know, I'm, 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 guys, too, with the NHL, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. If you go into concussion protocol – in that window of seven days, if you experience a setback, they reset the clock, right? That's right. Yes. So, you yeah. know, you're not going back and you're not even going back to practice until nothing happens for seven days. In the NFL, they do not have that protocol. Yeah. And that, well, and that speaks to the value 
of a 17 game schedule. Unfortunately, yeah. it speaks to, you know, when you're playing 82 games, um, that becomes a, that becomes a much more important issue uh, that you can take game. You have, you're forced to take games off forcing a player in the NFL to take games off is a red lights and red checks all over the place for, for, as you said, teams, owners, coaches, managers, it, and the player himself. So that, that becomes a problem. I'm, I'm curious. I, I did not see Sean McDermott's press conference on Monday or Tuesday. Did he make any, any references to the, the Tua stuff in the, in the Miami game or was, did he, he play the team game? Well, I don't, I'm trying to recall because I watched the zoom call. I'm not even sure if it came up. Um, because of the loss, the injuries, everything that's been going on with the Bills. Um, I don't know that he was even asked about what happened with Tua and him coming back in the game or anything like that. L- let, me, let me back up for a second because I want to make sure I, I didn't mention this and I got to make sure. The NFL actually does have – there's like a, a four- or five-step process. I know we went through this a few years ago when Mitch Morse, who's had multiple concussions, the Bills Center – had a concussion in training camp. There actually is a step one, step two, step three. When you're cleared to return, how they ramp up and how you gradually come back. So there is, they do. I didn't want to make it sound like the NFL has no rules in place. They do, but I don't think they have anything close to the NHL which says, got to be clean for seven days. If you have a headache or anything, you go backwards. But yeah, I don't, I don't, John, I don't remember him actually getting specifically asked about it. And I don't know that Sean McDermott, he's very close to the vest. He doesn't typically like to, you know, take a stance on something like that, like a league issue. I'm not sure that he would even, you know, address it. You know, the, the NHL did go through this because the moment you say the word, a player has a concussion, there are triggers and switches that occur that, you know, you, they have to do it. So remember, mm-hmm. remember, Howard, we went through this in the NHL. He had he didn't have a concussion, but he had concussion like symptoms. <laughs> and so, you know, everybody tries to fudge to the line and not go over in order not to penalize their team and, and the player. But, you know, the, the severity of head injuries these days and, and basically what we've learned, what, what would you suggest in the last decade mm-hmm. changes so much of this yeah. and, and we're so much more aware of, of what goes on. You know, the, there's no there's no arthroscopic surgery on your brain. Uh, no. that can help you play the game there is on your shoulder or your knee or, or anywhere else and we just don't know how to manage these things very well still and that's the big issue right well they're not airing on the side of caution the national football league that's the problem no i agree with you bob i, yeah. I agree well john i mean roger has got to have 16 said, phone calls this morning it's got to be on the phone it's 17 games you take a hockey player out for a week it's not the end of the world not only is it 17 games but what position are we talking about this wasn't the third string linebacker. This was a quarterback. And that is the most important position in the game, which would add to anybody's skepticism that maybe they looked the other way and said, we got to get this guy back out on the field. I don't think there's any question about it. We understand that the national football league is, is more a business than it is a sport. And the, the business says, you know, play everybody as often as you can. And especially the big name guys, especially the quarterbacks. I mean, that's a key position. I don't know that the, you know, if this was a second string middle linebacker, we wouldn't be paying the kind of attention that we are to it. Right. But at the same time, would the national football league react differently? Would they be more inclined to be protective of that player Hmm. than they would a starting quarterback on a team that at that point in time was undefeated? That's I I just have no confidence that that they react that way. Do you? Yeah. No. Um, I don't, although I'll tell you, this is, this is a, you know, I hate to make it sound like we're diminishing the health of a human being. This is a bad look for the NFL. This is a bad, it's a bad sure vision. What you're going to do is you're going to show highlights of Tua getting whipped around on that sack and being taken off on a stretcher. And the next highlight you would show would be, oh, by the way, four days earlier, look what happened to him. And here's Tua wobbling while he's trying to stand up on the football field. That's so, and then people are going to go, How'd this guy play? Like, it's a really bad visual for the NFL. Yeah. With, it is with, they managed uh, to survive everything, uh, though. You know, Fred Gadelli, uh, who's uh, the best football producer in the world, uh, has been on this show. Uh, we've talked to him. I think we view him as a friend. And he, and he produced that game last night. And, not, and at halftime, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy you know very well, Howard, mm-hmm. 
Richard Sherman uh, on the panel. Um, they did. They did not discuss this issue. Yeah. They did not discuss the issue. How is he playing? They 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 were very apathetic to uh, to Tua. They were very uh, sympathetic to what went on and to his family and to the fact that he was going to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. But not one person mentioned on that panel why is he playing tonight? Yeah. And that to me that that was almost as that 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 was wrong. That was wrong when you consider those players, former members of the same union, uh, should be protecting each other. But you're not shocked by that. There is no journalistic credibility in the broadcast. Richard Sherman's an outspoken guy. That's the one guy. Like, I'm not shocked, Bob, but I have to believe, like you just said, if there's one guy who would have said anything, Richard Sherman would be the guy. And these are not guys who've been retired for 20 years. Fitz was, you know, they were in the league last season, two of them anyway. So I, I, I didn't see it, but I know they didn't address it. I have to believe someone from Amazon, from the league, someone said to these guys, we're not bringing up the Bills Miami game in this segment. Don't mention, right? Because it's natural you'd bring that up. And for those former players to go 15 minutes, whatever it was, without referencing that to set this discussion up, I, someone had to tell them, we're not going there. And yet, as you know, Howard, uh, or maybe you had gone to bed by then, uh, Al and Al, Al Michaels did bring it up at the start of the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. Uh, almost like there, uh, yeah. It, Al Michaels brought it up in the booth at the start of the fourth quarter, which is a gap of about an hour. Yeah. Um, that they and you're wondering was there pressure put on? You know, if you if if you followed any level of social media last night, yeah. That's that was forget about that the, was the, the story, right? The oh, football no, game no, itself. It wasn't the story that the Bengals are two and two. The two this situation. was the story. And I'm guessing Twitter, story. the whole second half of Twitter was people reacting to, well, how did you not say anything at halftime? So maybe the pressure gets through. They see social media and someone yeah. says, Al, you got to make some kind of reference to Tua in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Al being the, the credible voice, with all due respect to everybody else, Al being the voice, then it came from Al, and then they said, we talked about it. Yeah. Proof. <laughs> Yeah, the it's question scary. is, does somebody, does somebody whisper in Al's ear to talk I feel to like They would have. I feel like yeah. would, oh, I'm yeah. sure the league, the league would have seen. I mean, former players are calling the league out on Twitter last night in the second half. I'm sure the league sees this and says, okay, now what do we do? We can't ignore it completely in the second half. Okay, let's have Al Michaels say something. Like you said, John, yeah. it's a very credible, well-respected and a broadcasting voice. Let's, we have to address this. We can't completely ignore it for the rest of the game. Well, and, and Bob, and I'm not trying to, Fred's a friend of ours, but Fred would have done this right away if he, if he had made the decision himself. Don't you think, Bob? I think Fred Gadelli was told not to do it. Yeah, I wonder. I, wonder. I can't Look. imagine Gadelli, um, you know, not seeing that as the story for halftime. It was the story. And the yeah. fact that they did not mention it I think was because somebody got to Gadelli and said, don't mention it. Right. Wow. And as influential as Gadelli is in the moment you have to, you, you were in that spot, you know, for many years with hockey, you have to, you do what you're told at that moment or you're no, losing your job. Bob, I used to, I used to get fired because I never did what I was told. So. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you know what, John, what would you have done, John? Let, let's say this is a hockey game and, the, and a guy gets a head injury and he goes out and he's, he's stretched off, whatever. Do you go back and find the clip of the game four days earlier when he had, you know, when he's Absolutely. trying to get the bench? A- Absolutely. Because it's a natural conclusion to it get was, to but that, it right? was, Howard, it was the story before the game started. Forget about during the game. Yeah. I mean, this is week. the story of the game. Right. Is this guy's going to play, but he got carted off wobbly on sunday four days ago right you know that's the story and they didn't address it pre-game and then when he gets hurt again to not mention it is absurd yeah if it was anything else other than this it's the story and and i know fred gadelli and fred gadelli knows what news is and he knows that that was the news story that's what should have been the point of discussion and Mm -hmm. at the halftime show but if it was, you know, it would have been controversial. 
because it would have been back and forth and it would have been guys trying to defend them and other guys trying to say the NFL has got to do something about it. And they are not going to put controversy involving themselves on their own broadcast. And well, they, I, 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 they wouldn't want the and, focus going away from the game either. They want the focus. Of course. But, of course. And, and, but and it was I, already. I think, it already happened. I, I do think you bring up a really good point. What, what one of you is, is that, you know, this is Amazon's second game. Yeah. Um, you know, they're the new partner. They're the new kid on town. They want to maintain a great relationship with, you know, with, with the NFL. And, and perhaps there was something elsewhere. I was just, as a viewer, as a viewer, I was shocked that one of those guys, all three guys, all three of the panelists are higher. Tony Gonzalez was the other one. Um, that, uh, I mean, they're outspoken. They've been outspoken in their careers about other things. You know, Ryan, Ryan, Hick, Ryan's an Ivy League guy. He's a smart guy. Yeah. And he's, and, I mean, he's also he was a teammate of two is obviously in Miami. Right. In Miami. Actually, he was, he was almost in tears at halftime. Yeah. He's almost in tears. So, but, but there's something, something had to be said. Something had to be said and it wasn't. Well, maybe something was said, and what was said was, yeah. "Don't talk about it." Yeah. I hope I, I I hope you're I hope you're wrong, Bob, and I hope it was just an error of naivete. Well, it'll certainly be most interesting to see what happens um, a week from Sunday when Miami plays again, because they're talking about this guy got on the plane with the rest of his teammates and was and was allegedly fine. Yeah, after being hope. carted off the field. Yeah, like exactly. that's the story, you know, um, there's two parts. I'll be interested. Well, I'll be interested to see what the other what I'll be interested to see what Fox and CBS and NBC say about it when they have their platforms on Sunday. Sunday. Oh, uh, you know, they what? cannot they cannot avoid it. Sure. Really? They can. You, yeah. OK. Um, I will buy you a I'm Tim Hortons. I will buy. I will buy you a Tim Hortons coffee and donut downtown Buffalo, Howard. If I'm if I'm if I'm wrong, breakfast sandwich too. Maybe a breakfast sandwich too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know what I suppose, John. They will have had enough time and days to I don't want to say rehearse this, but go <laughs> over this with all of their reporters and analysts that they'll have the proper way. Because you know, John, you you know t- very well that relationship between a broadcast property and the partner the team, the league, whoever it is. You know, we go through stuff as a flagship radio station with the Bills and Sabres. You always have to have it in your mind. You're working with a partner. So I would assume mm-hmm. maybe by Sunday, it's enough time for the ESPNs and the NBCs and the CBSs and the Foxes, whoever, to actually talk to everyone and figure out, okay, how are we going to say this? What's the discussion? What are we doing with this? Knowing when the league. The la- guys, when is the last time that one of the NFL's networks has been overtly critical of the National Football League. Well, I would tell you, I would tell you that, that that they were forced into it, Bob, in the Colin Kaepernick situation. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't necessarily, time. but it, but it did happen, and, and they, and in, in fact, they changed their programming and whether the cover anthems or not cover anthems, and they did address some of the racial issues that Kaepernick brought up. But wait for, a sec, the covering of anthems. You think that was a positive on the part of of the network? No, no, no. I, I, I'm not. No, I, what I'm talking about is they did they didn't avoid it. They did show it. I, I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're going to be. I'm not suggesting for a moment they're going to be critical on Sunday. Yeah. But they better talk about it. At least talk about it. At least create. At least create the perception of fairness. But what is the point of talking about it if you're not going to be critical? If you don't feel that there's something to talk about? If you're just going to spin the National Football League's take on this, what's the point of that? And that's yeah, what I'm I, afraid is, is the most that's going to happen, Howard. I, well, I'm curious because you know what? At least today, obviously the networks and Sunday game coverage we haven't hit yet. But on ESPN today, they have former players all over the place on their network. At least sure. they were at the very least, we were on the air, so I couldn't listen, obviously. But at the very least, they are putting up tweets. Ryan Clark, former Steeler, they're putting up tweets from players who are wondering how is it possible this guy was allowed to play last night? So from that standpoint, at least they were getting that other voice out, so to speak, via social media. How they do it on pregame shows on Sunday, I I suppose they can't ignore it because then they would get even more criticism. But I'm not sure, Bob, you're going to have – I don't know. I'm just not sure 
who comes out on a pregame show and rips the NFL? I think nobody does. And I'm surprised that ESPN has done what, whatever they did today. I didn't hear anything either. So I can't I, comment I, I, on it. But. I can tell you right now from experience, uh, this is where the executives say, don't take a stand, but let's present the facts. Yeah, right. And let the viewer decide. That's the one thing that, and, and again, that goes to the line and doesn't go over. Yeah, you might hear people talking about, we got to look at the process. We got to go through the protocols. We have to find out, you know, if something was missed, did, did someone mess up? What did we put this guy in danger without actually maybe flat out condemning the NFL? I'm sure you, at the very least, Bob, I would think we're going to hear them wondering what, you know, how did the process break down here? What do you got to do? Is that enough yeah. for you? It's not enough for me. Oh, they're not. I mean, if you're expecting them to come out and condemn the NFL, I really don't think that's going to happen. Oh, I know it's not going to happen. We all know it's not going to happen. It's never happened before. And it won't happen now, especially with their broadcast partners. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, what's the network that doesn't have NFL football now? Well, there's none. Yeah, you know, even, yeah, even ABC right. through involved. ESPN now has, has a deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, who's the independent network that'll give you, you know, a fair analysis? PBS. Locally, you'll get it, but not nationally. Right. <laughs> uh, it'll, it's we, gonna, it'll, it'll be a fascinating to watch this weekend. Um, you know, don't waste too much time waiting for the big. Uh, oh, I'm going to I'm going to record them all and play them back. OK, we'll talk about it next week. I, <laughs> I can't I can't wait for that conversation about how how all these networks rip their employer. And, and, and by the way, and somehow, Howard, somehow I'll get blamed for all of it. That's how this show works. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, I, 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 I do too, Howard. Thank you. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, we got to take a break. Um, we're halfway home. Howard Simon is with us uh, from WGR in Buffalo. We'll uh, talk about the Bills when we Whoa, come back. You mean we have to talk football? Yep. After this <laughs> okay. message. Uh, we are back. It's uh, McCowan, it's Shannon, and it's uh, Howard Simon of WGR in uh, Buffalo. Uh, well, it was a loss by the Bills. An un, uh, I think somewhat unexpected loss, and um, and it, I mean, this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, I don't even mean aspirations. I mean, they really think they they can get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. And I I'm not here to argue. I think this is a really really dynamic, great football team. But we will find out over the course of the next twelve or thirteen weeks. Nonetheless, what is intriguing to me is that we now have what one unbeaten team yeah four so we weeks into the national football league schedule. And, and, and none in the afc that's right and none in the afc which i i mean i know that that parody is something that all leagues aspire to but this is kind of ridiculous don't i mean aren't you shocked that we 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 only have one unbeaten after four weeks yeah, um, but again, you know, from a league, I mean, I assume the league is thrilled because, you know, they do strive, they built their system, they build some revenue sharing, reverse order of the draft, all these things to create parity. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I thought there'd be like a very top tier of elite teams. You know, if look, if the Bills are healthy, I think the Bills are unbeaten. I think they're 3-0. and I think they would have beat Miami, but, you know roster was depleted by injuries. I stunned Kansas City lost Indianapolis. There was no way I thought the Chiefs were going to lose to the Colts the way Indy looked the first two weeks. You know, so I think there are, you might look at a few teams, maybe you thought Green Bay would struggle a little bit post-Devontae Adams, but you might look at a few teams and say, yeah, I'm a little surprised a loss came in the first three weeks. Um, yeah, I thought there'd be more than just Philadelphia. You know, I don't think it's a lot to ask someone to go 3-0 and out of the gate, but only one team's been able to do it. And that, I think there's... I think I'm more surprised that the Raiders are 0 3 than than anything else. That's probably the Yeah. I'm not honestly, they're a weird team, guys. I thought I thought last year, I mean, they just they played with they were so on the edge. They played with fire for like the half the last half of the season. They were very good in terms of overtime, uh, one score games. They were getting break after break and winning some crazy football games. So I thought they were kind of playing with that narrow margin of error. I never thought their defense was that good. I'm not a huge car guy. Um, so I, I, I would tell you I'm not shocked they're 0-3 because I thought they weren't that good and lucked out a little bit to be in the playoffs last year. Somebody on this program in the last couple, three weeks picked 
the Raiders to win the Super Bowl. Do you remember Pat who Leonard it was, John? did? Pat Leonard. Who? Pat Leonard. Pat Leonard. Pat Leonard. Yeah. Oh, boy. I not make it. Well, <laughs> he's been covering the Giants too long, I think. So that's yeah, I've been watching bad football for too long. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the uh, we talked. You touched on the injuries for the Bills. Where where, where are we with that? Still not that good. Um, you know, they're. I, I think you know we were we were so caught up in the game itself. Um, Micah Hyde being out for the year is a big loss for them. You know, I think that's a really significant injury. We still don't know if Jordan Poyer's playing Sunday. We still don't know about Dane Jackson. They're really still beat up in the secondary. Uh, they, they don't know about a couple of their offensive linemen. So there are a lot of key injuries to follow come Sunday. And I still think they need their center back, Mitch Morris. You know, the last couple of weeks since he went down in the Tennessee game, they've had some issues with the center snap, you know, the fake spike that didn't work Sunday at halftime. Uh, and I think they, they probably, they might have changed their goal to go play calling because they were honestly worried about a clean center snap. So they need Morse back. That's big. Poyer would be big coming back. Keep in mind, guys, this game, when you think of Baltimore, you might think of like the running game and defense. This is a Ravens team that is thriving on passing the football. They are being driven by their passing offense. So, you know, getting Poyer back, um, maybe Xavier Rhodes makes his debut already. Maybe he starts on Sunday as a Bill just signed this week. I think the Bills defense is still beat up in the secondary, and that could be an issue. One thing to keep in mind is weather. They're going to get remnants of the hurricane in Baltimore over the weekend. It's going to rain Saturday. It's supposed to rain throughout the game Sunday. So we'll see how that plays in the passing game. But the Bills need Morse back for sure on offense. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to have Poyer back because he's with Hyatt out. Poyer becomes even more important at that safety spot. Which is more important to the Bills, offense or defense? Can they win with um, – if, if, if the defense is hurt and suffering – is the offense good enough to overcome that, or is it the other way around? Uh, I, I think the offense is good enough to overcome that. You might look at it and go, well, what happened in Miami? Well, the, again, how many injuries? The problem with Miami was not only four-fifths of the starting secondary were out and your best interior pass rusher, Ned Oliver. They still could have, would have, should they should. They got 500 yards of offense in the game. They just couldn't get in the end zone. So this, this offense is good enough to carry them. But they, they're down three offensive linemen in the game the other day, and eventually it catches up to them. To answer your question, yes, the offense is really good. The offense is good enough to carry this team. I'm not sure the defense is that good. If the offense starts scoring 17 a game or 20 a game, I don't know if the defense is that dominant that they could carry this team. The offense can. I was going to say, Bob, didn't the, didn't the playoff game in Kansas City answer that question for you? Well, because sure the offense did. did everything and the defense did nothing. Well, yeah, <laughs> when they had to, I, I, that's why I asked the question. It's a better defense. It, I mean, I, I really do. That is, you know, one they spent the Bills spent a lot of time in the off season. Well, for the last two off seasons, guys, trying to make their pass rush better. They they ideally wanted to get to a point where they can rush for and get to the quarterback and drop seven. This is a very good defensive line. The pass rush is better, um, just by adding Von Miller. I, this is for me, there's no question. It is the most talented, deepest defensive line, certainly in the McDermott Bean era, maybe even going back to the Bills of the 90s. They're very good with their pass rush. But, you know, there are some other issues on defense against some of the injuries in the secondary. If you ask me, you got to rely on one unit the rest of the season to carry this team, number 17, and the guys on right. It's not I even agree. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. This is a team that wins or loses based on the performance of their offense. Yep. And they lost last Sunday, as you said, because the offense right. couldn't get the biscuit in the basket. Right. That's right. Yeah. No, I, honestly, we, I was worried. Move the football. Right. I was really worried about the defense. I wasn't sure. I caught some of the, you know, the, the comeback the Dolphins had the week before against Baltimore and Tua looked good. And they yeah. had Tyreek Hill and they have Jalen Wall. And I'm thinking who the heck in the secondary is going to stop these guys. But you know, they gave up what they end up giving up 21 points. And one of those touchdowns was a gift. They started at the bill six after a strip sack. Right. So the story of the game was the defense for me held up better than I thought they were going to. The bills lost the game because the offense moved the ball, got in the red zone, got inside the five and they couldn't get touchdowns. Does that reflect on a, on a, the, the lack of the running game at all, Howard? 
I don't think so. You know, I mean, th- sure that, you know, this is, n- this isn't a great running team. It hasn't really been, it doesn't need to be quite honestly, but if you look at the game the other day uh, in Miami Sunday, so look, you know, Gabe Davis has a touchdown to the Dolphins credit. You know, they break it up. The, the, the defensive back knocks the ball out, but that's a touchdown. The Bills had the, game, the go-ahead score right there, and Isaiah McKenzie, he's wide open in the end zone. They call a pass play. It works. And for whatever reason, Allen throws a bad pass. Maybe his right hand was hurt at that point. So they had plays there that were created by the passing game for different reasons. They were not able to finish those plays. I don't think it's an issue from the running game. Well, some would say you're better off to lose in week four than lose in, you know, or, or week three than uh, lose in week 15, 16, or 17, because that may have a, a longer effect on you. So, um, you know, going undefeated is so difficult. It's, you know, it's not impossible as we know, but it's, it's once or twice in a lifetime, really, is what you're talking about. So you're not going to win every game. You're going to lose the, you're going to stub your toe every now and then. Yep. And this is a game, you're right, they lost, but it was a game I think they should have won and could have won very easily. Yeah. Um, they just didn't. Yeah. And so and move, move on. The nice thing is, like you, you think about last season, remember when, when the Bills lost the crazy hurricane gale force wins game here with New England, they were behind in the division late in the right. season. You know, they lost to the Patriots, lost to the Bucks. They were behind New England. So they didn't have a lot of room to come back and they were able to. The saving grace of losing in week three is, you got 14 more games in terms of, you know, the division race, the one seed, all that other stuff. Speaking of the division race, wow, has the complexion of the AFC East changed, huh? <laughs> it's yeah. just, I mean, when you think about uh, New England is an afterthought now, uh, assuming Miami can still put it together, whether it's Tua or, or Teddy Bridgewater, who knows. Uh, but, uh, and the Jets are the Jets. But, I mean, Buffalo is by far the... Uh, by far the, the the cream of the crop in the division, aren't they? Yeah, it's a nice place. This is is this the portion of the show where we cry for the Patriots for five minutes, or we're not? No, we don't. Not not even a little bit. <laughs> Excellent. Good. All right. I, I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, they are. Although I, I would tell you, I would. You know, I I thought Miami was a good team anyway. The really the, the only question about Miami and whether they could contend for the division, of course, was how's the quarterback going to look? Right. And prior to getting hurt, he was playing well. You know, he looks the new coach brings in this system and it looks like it's working really well with his quarterback, with their pieces. They have, I think a good defense. Um, You know, so the question is for them now, again, you know, talking just football, not taking into account the concussions and everything. The question for them will be how healthy is their quarterback. And I'm, I don't know if Bridgewater would execute what they put together for a game plan as well as Tua Tunga Baloa does. Because I, yeah. I think he's a good quarterback, guys. And I, I wasn't sure he could pull it off. He was prior to the injury. So um, I would have told you Miami was going to hang in there in the division longer than I would have anticipated. But everything's kind of up in the air now. We'll wait and see what, what's going on with Tua. Yeah, but Miami's still, at the end of the day, Bridgewater got beat by, uh, by Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, I didn't watch the whole game. But what I did see, I didn't think Cincinnati – I don't think Cincinnati yet this year – has looked like the Bengals of last year. Do you? No, no, not yet. And that's kind of, that's its own little puzzling story. You know, you were talking about, are you surprised about, you know, there's no undefeated teams in the AFC. I, I, I didn't pick the Bengals to win their division. I picked Baltimore, but I think people, a lot of people are surprised their offense is struggling. They just don't look as good as they did in during that. Well, I was going to say the run that their playoff win in Tennessee wasn't that great, but Kansas city and, getting to the Super Bowl and all that, they look like something's off in their offense mm-hmm. at this point. Well, yeah, there is something off. I, I mean, I look at, you know, you want ridiculous, um, but for a two-minute collapse against the Jets, the Cleveland yeah. Browns would be 3-0. and Yep. And who would have thought that at the beginning? No, not with year? Jacoby Brissett, right. Not with, not with him as, as quarterback, you're right. Before we let you go, uh, lots of excitement about the Sabres? Yeah, it's it, it's kind of weird, you know. I mean, football season starts and it kind of dominates everything. But I think people were feeling good about the Sabres guys because I think there's a, a genuine sense. We always hope beginning of every season, right? But I think there's more of a like this has a legitimate feeling that they're trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They've got the right coach. 
people believe in the coach like they haven't believed in since probably Lindy was here. Um, I think there's a, there's more belief that the front office knows what it's doing. The way some of the young guys were coming along last year, the promise they showed, it looks like they've got some other good prospects coming up. Some might be here this season, like Quinn and or Paterka. So yeah, I think people are excited, um, not necessarily expecting playoffs, but at least expecting a team that could play meaningful hockey games in the last month of the season. And that hasn't happened around here in a long time. And I'm just curious, what is it like not to talk about Jack Eichel for a month and a half? <laughs> yeah, that was, oh my goodness gracious me. Boy, what I a mean, opera that was. It's amazing, really, when you think about it. And, yeah. and you, you, in return, you get some bright young talent and you get yeah. a guy that wants to play in Western New York. I mean, Alex Tuck wants to play for the oh, Sabres. Really yeah, and he was fun to watch last year. That's a revelation. And yeah. no Jack Eichel and, and no underlying tones of what's what's wrong with Jack or is Jack being uh, cantankerous? It, I mean, yeah. it, that's that's getting rid of the big black cloud. Yeah, I didn't check when single game tickets went on sale. I was kind of figuring the Vegas game here would sell out maybe even before the Leaf games, guys. I have to, I have to check the secondary market to see which ticket is going for more, Leaf games or the Vegas game here. Um. I mean, what do you two guys think, you know, what's the prognosis for this Buffalo team? A, a better performance than last year, yeah, but not the playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, they had 75 points. They'd have to make it like a, unless some one or two teams plummet. And you guys tell me who's the candidate. I've been waiting for Boston to fall off the cliff for years we now. We all have, yeah. And Pittsburgh. So unless somebody plummets, they got to make up a 20 to 25 point gap. That's a big leap. Um, they'll be better. I think they should be contending for the bottom of the playoff picture for most, if not all the season, at the very least, they should have knock on wood. I think they'll get better goaltending this year than they have in recent years. So I, I do think they'll be in contention. I just don't know about, you know, like making that big a jump, uh, to get into a wild card spot. And this division is still, you know, pretty good. The team's ahead of them, the division. Yeah. Put it in perspective. We talked about this the other day, Bob, is that all eight teams in the East had a hundred points, had a hundred exactly. points to make the playoffs. Right. It's going to be difficult. And the other teams that Buffalo has been compared to in the last couple of years, Detroit and Ottawa have both improved too. So well, I was going to say, the, the, who, who, who do you think is the better team this year, Ottawa or Buffalo? I, I, I think Ottawa. And I think Ottawa right now. And I, th I, I think to me, it, to me, it'll be based on the goaltending. To me, yeah, it'll be based on the goaltending. The Sabres are putting, I think they're putting a lot of stock in Comrie for now. Cause it, if I had to guess, um, they're going to want Ukapeka Lukan into play as much as possible. I doubt that would be here. So he could go to Rochester. They ride Comrie. They have Anderson for, I don't know, 15, 20 games or whatever. And I, I, I think it'll give them a little stability between the pipes. Good point. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's, you're not wrong. We'll f we'll find out soon enough uh, whether that battle if there is a battle between Ottawa and Buffalo, and uh, whether either of them are um, are real contenders for the postseason. We hope so. Uh, you could you could use a postseason hockey team, I can imagine, in Buffalo. Well, uh, Howard hasn't had it in his life. Postseason hockey, has Postseason. <laughs> what is what is postseason? What is this thing you speak of called postseason? It, it, hockey? It's hockey during golf season, is what it ah. is. Okay, I got you. Yeah, ho hockey after the Masters. <laughs> yeah. Really? What a concept. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, hey, listen, pal, we thank you very much. It was great. And um, we wish you continued success in Buffalo. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Anytime. pal. Nice to see you guys again. Be safe. Howard Simon of WGR in Buffalo. We'll come back and wrap it after these messages. McCowan and Shannon, back with you. Again, our thanks to Howard Simon for being with us. Enjoyed it yeah. very much. Yeah, I, uh, while he most likes of us, that Sabre goaltending too much, but that's okay. While um, most of us were watching NFL football last night, uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays backed into the playoffs, <laughs> which is great that they couldn't celebrate. I'm happy that they couldn't; they didn't have a chance to celebrate um, getting something that they, uh, you know, didn't earn. You think they put the goggles and 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 champagne on in Baltimore? You think they did that? They go down to a, a like into a ballroom and 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 shake things up. Are you serious? Why, Bob? Baseball celebrations, to me, are the strangest thing that ever happened. To me, Why there should only you? should be one. There would only there should only be one celebration. There's only know, one celebration. You know who did the right celebration? The New York Yankees on Wednesday. 
You like that, huh? That was about as sublime. Mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and excuse me, quiet. Yeah. And I mean, they were happy. You could see they were happy, but they knew they were going to get there. They had a yeah. what eight game lead or whatever the hell it was. This was not a surprise. They knew this was coming since June. Okay. And it happened. Um, guy hits his 61st home run and, and you win a championship. Okay. You know, I mean, they were happy, but they didn't lose their minds over it. No, but you've seen, you've seen teams lose their minds over getting a wild card spot. Well, I get it. The difference I suppose for me this year is victory for the Toronto blue Jays would be getting home field advantage. Like that, that might be worthy of some kind of celebration. Just getting in the playoffs at this point because Baltimore lost. Who cares? You know, I suspect that I I suspect they'll be at home, though. Don't you? You suspect what? That they'll be at home? Yeah. No. I don't. You don't think you suspect? You don't. eh? Wow. They got a game and a half lead over Seattle, right? Yeah, but I mean, Um, it's they're playing Baltimore. Baltimore, you know. Seattle and Tampa both have the tiebreaker. Over the Blue Jays, yeah. I think. Yeah. So are you suggesting we looked at the schedule early in the season and said, look at all these games against Baltimore late. It's going to be a, a cakewalk to get to the playoffs. Now we're oh, going to be afraid of playing Baltimore. What's, uh, what's, uh, Baltimore has nothing to do with it. The issue oh. is the Blue Jays are going to have to beat these other two teams. They can't just tie them. If they tie, they don't get home field advantage. I understand. And, and if you don't have home field advantage, I don't know. I don't trust this team. I don't trust the Toronto Blue Jays to win on the road. I'm not sure they'll win at home because I don't know who the starter in game three is going to be. If there is a, assuming there is a game three, but I mean, and then you got to, then you got to contend with, well, who would you rather play? Would you rather play Tampa who apparently you can't beat under almost any circumstance or Seattle who you've had similar kind of success against? I think it, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see Robbie Ray come into Toronto and, and knock out the blue Jays. And now that he can cross the border. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just think, I think that would be very, very interesting. Okay, say goodbye, Bob. What? I have to go now already. Yeah. 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 Dude. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just say McCowan, goodbye. Not for Shannon. <laughs> we'll see you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>